everybody i just want to welcome you all to the uh bible libre av 1611 broadcast and uh my name is brother mike and i'm gonna be your host uh oh for the next hour here um really um today's uh podcast is really going to be more of an introduction into uh the new series that um you know the lord has kind of laid up on my heart um and um uh and well, and uh, I was supposed to have a guest uh, speaker with me on here today, um, but uh, due to uh, technical issues and things like that, we couldn't really get this thing uh, going. Um, there is a chance that he might yet join me. Uh, so, um, but uh, truthfully, I just wanted to get us uh, introduced into the new topic. I sent out an email uh you know, um, giving, uh, giving out three, um, basically titles, um, to, um, podcasts that will be coming out here in the near future as the Lord wills. And, uh, there are more, I just decided to put on, uh, or to give the title of three of them, um, just so that the email wasn't really long. Um, but anyways, if you're not uh, on the email list, um, all you have to do is go to my website. It's uh, av 1611com and you can just, uh, you know, sign up. And like I said, I don't spam, uh, you know, normally I'll send one a week and it's, uh, generally has to do with, um, uh, the broadcast that I have going on and the topics and, uh, things that we're discussing. Uh, also, uh, you are more than willing uh, you know, um, to contact me and to give me some input on what things that you think, you know, if there's a topic perhaps on something that you might want to hear, um, discussed, um, maybe you want to be on the podcast. Um, you know, that's what I was trying to do today. Hopefully was to have my first remote guest, um, join me here, um, uh, by the internet, and uh, like I said, hopefully maybe if uh, we can get the um, technical issues sorted out with that, um, we uh, might be able to make that happen still. But that's yet to be, uh, it remains yet to be seen here. Um, I don't know if you can see it, but on my screen, there's a little black box down there at the, uh, well, I guess it'd be to your right maybe, I don't know. Uh, but over near my microphone uh, or underneath my microphone, on the screen and um that is where the guests would normally appear um i can add more guests um i can make it to where you know we could go to a four uh screen thing and um you know um i mean as far as i know i think that thing will allow you to do up to 20 guests i don't know how that would look on screen here but um you know, uh, but that is my goal and plan for the near future. Um, I do apologize for not being able to broadcast last week. Um, again, uh, it's just trying to sort out some of these technical, uh, issues that, you know, keep arising with this. Um, I'm very new to this. Um, I'm pretty good with computers and all, but I'm very new to this type of broadcasting and uh you know to the equipment and all that um that that you have to have and uh you know 
uh, the computers to run it and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I can build computers, um, but running this software and, uh, you know, knowing about production and sound and all that kind of stuff, it's a lot to uh, get you, uh, wrap your head around, uh, especially, you know, if you've never really done this type of thing before. And I never have. Uh, up until the Lord laid upon my heart to go ahead and start this podcast. So, um, you know, I think what I'm going to do is, is perhaps discuss a little topic that's kind of hot out there, uh, really. Um, you know, um, more and more I keep thinking about um, what I'm wanting to do here, the more and more I, I kind of think that perhaps, um, you know, uh, I'm going to discuss a topic that w will perhaps lead into the other topic. I, I really didn't want to uh, get into this necessarily today, um, but it just so happens that that is the way uh, things are working out here. Um, so let's see here. Let me let me pull this up real quick and we can kind of get into it uh, a little bit. Let's see here. Uh, let's see here. All right. Um, yeah, here we go. I'm going to get there by goodness. I'm going to get there. Just give me one second here. Like I said, I was, I, I had totally planned to do something completely different. And, uh, so, um, a little bit thrown off by the fact that I have to switch right now. I tried to give it up to the last minute here. Uh, you know, for that brother to uh, join me. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I don't know if he will eventually, if it'll just cut on. I don't know how all that works. And, um, you know, perhaps we should have done a test run prior to this, but um, we didn't. So here we are. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to get something up here um, that I can go to here. All right, here we go. Let's see here. Um, you know, man, you know, it's one of those things where you can't find what you're looking for when you're looking for it. And uh, that's always the way it is. Satan, uh, I'm telling you, Satan is really working and has been working here for a while. Okay, and let's see here. Um, all right, I've gotten where I want to go now. Um, okay, well, the topic I'm going to discuss, and it'll be short, because I really don't want to get into this a lot. I'm actually writing, well, what is beginning to turn out to be a book on biblical repentance. Um, it's a hot issue. Boy, I'm here to tell you, this is one of the hottest issues you're going to face. Um as a born again believer, um, a lot of people uh, right now um, are even, uh, you know, they, they've done gotten to the point where, um, you know, they're saying that repentance is no longer needed uh, in the dispensation of grace. Um, I had a fella um, whom I respect a lot. And uh, brother, I mean, he's uh, he's he's an on fire brother. I mean, I ain't, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I respect him a lot. Um, but my position differs on his in regards to repentance. And I think the main issue 
comes to how we define the term. Uh, the average person who, um, well, if you just, you allow the average dictionary today to define the term repentance, uh, it's going to, it's going to line up with the average belief and the, uh, a lot of that is due to Protestantism. And, um, I don't want to get off all into that, but, um, Protestants, uh, there's a lot that, that, uh, you know, that we can be thankful for, for the, for the Reformation. Um, but as one preacher said, it did not secure everything that was germane to the Christian faith. It renewed a lot of things after a period of, uh, you know, several hundred years, uh, you know, of basically biblical darkness. I mean, it's termed the dark ages for a reason. Um, and, uh, but, you know, we, many seem to think because of the Reformation that they secured all the things that were necessary for the Christian faith. But that is not true. And if you go back into history, you're going to find, and I'd like to touch on this at some other time, but you're going to find that the Baptists have been around. Um, like I said, I know that there, there are some out there who uh, are Baptists that will tell you that we can trace ourselves all the way back to John the Baptist, but I don't really believe that. I mean, I, I do believe that we came out very, very quickly um, obviously not under the name Baptist. Um, you know, uh, there was a, a lot of other, um, and I don't even like to use the term, but they use the term sex. And the reason why they do that is, is because it's not a flattering term. So when you say a sect, uh, basically what you're doing is, is you're, you're already putting what you're about to talk about. Uh, you, you, you're, you're putting a negative slant on it. Um, you know, it's almost like calling it a cult. I mean, as soon as you call something a cult, it, it, it gains a negative connotation, but you had the Donatist, you had Anabaptist, you had, uh, all of these people who are in the Baptist line, um, that can be traced way back beyond Protestantism. And, um, uh, so if you, when you, when we talk about the term repentance, the, the term repentance uh, I'm just going to read this one verse right here. It's, it's, it's starting off in the little book kind of that I'm reading, but it says in Luke chapter 24, verses 46 and 47, it said, It behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. So um, what a lot of people will do is that they want to go to... Um, the book of Acts. And what a lot of people will say is that there in the book of Acts, Peter, when he is, um, it's very clear that he is preaching to Jews. And what he's doing actually there in the beginning of the book of Acts is it's a continuation of the gospel of the kingdom um, of heaven. Um, when, when Christ was here on this earth, he told his disciples, go not unto the Gentiles. He goes, you know, to, uh, but, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
And so when Christ was here on this earth, all the signs, all the wonders that followed him were following him because of the kingdom of heaven, not because of the kingdom of God. They were both here, present in him at the same time, because he, um, he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So everything, um, those, both of those two things were, were here. They were present in him on this earth at the same time. And so a lot of times what people will do is, is they get confused because they're in the, uh, the Gospels, which begin the New Testament, um, there's a lot of transition within them. Um, now, there are spiritual truths that transcend, uh, you know, those, those books um, that, you know, come clear all the way through. I mean, and we can go back. I mean, we have, the, we have the benefit that we have the entire counsel of God with us. And we can go back all the way into the Old Testament and we can see all those sacrifices, how they pictured Christ, how they pictured the atonement, how they, uh, you know, uh, uh, all the things concerning the tabernacle and the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant and all that kind of stuff. We can go back in the Old Testament and we can, but the thing is, is people, you know, even though Paul said whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, people began going back into those things and bringing that doctrine into the dispensation of the grace of God, which is a mistake. And so what is happening is, is you have biblical truths that should be being preached that people are saying no longer should be preached. And one of those biblical truths is repentance. It is clear that Luke says that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. So, uh, you know, so we have to uh, realize that um, repentance is required for salvation. It is a requirement. But what is it? And as I alluded to before, how do you define the word? And the worst thing that you can do is go into any Greek lexicon or uh, dictionary to try and define the terms. Um, the Bible has its own built-in dictionary. And a lot of people don't realize that. Um, if you're not familiar with um, Gail Ripplinger, um, I know there's a lot of things that, that I wish she, um, you know, that have come out that have been bad about Miss um, Ripplinger, but God bless her soul. Um, whether or not those things are true or not, like I say, I don't know. But I do know that she is right about the fact that the Bible defines its own terms. And I think that is a, a very, very big mistake that a lot of Christians do uh, is when they don't understand a term in the Bible, instead of allowing the Bible to define the term, they then go back. They go back into dictionaries which were written well after the 1611 Bible was written. So, um, and many of the terms, even Webster, who wrote the 1828 di dictionary, says that he took the terms from the King James Bible. And so, um, but the, the thing is, is that men can be wrong. We're fallible. We're not infallible. And so what we have to do is go back to the word of God. You can't go into things 
or take just t merely take their word for it. And that is exactly what people do when they try to appeal to Greek or Hebrew and, and talk about the original manuscripts and all that kind of stuff. They're appealing to things that other men have defined the terms of. And when you do that, the Bible is no longer the final authority. So, and you will have a lot of good Christians who would never dare, and I'm talking about independent Baptists, Bible-believing Baptists, who would never dare go and pick up a lexicon um, or manuscript or anything like that and search a term out in it, but will go to these dictionaries and these encyclopedias that have taken their terms many a times from these lexicons. And so if the lexicons themselves are tainted materials, then we can't depend on them and we can't go back into them. So um, now that's not to say that they're not right about some things. And I'm talking about a dictionary, 1828, you know, is no, nothing wrong with having one. It's nothing wrong with looking the words up. But you have to make sure that what the, what the definition it gives you in there, you've got to check it. Don't just accept the man's word for it because he was Noah Webster. I mean, you know what I mean? Uh, just like Dr. Ruckman or anybody else. Uh, I don't care what name you want to throw out there. A man is a man and he is fallible. And so you can't take their words just at face value. And that's why Paul said, look, these are more noble than them at this and like that they what search the scriptures daily they were checking paul and i mean you you talk about you checking the apostle paul here i mean you know a man that wrote 13 i say 14 books i don't think god would have let him write 13 but uh that's for a whole nother podcast right uh but you know that wrote 13 books of the bible and they were checking him. And that's the type of attitude that we need in the Christians today. In Baptist. And I don't care what denomination you are. You need to have that type of attitude. To where that you're not just going to take people's word for what they say. Look it up. Check the scriptures. You know, that's the exact same thing that Jesus uh one of the things that he condemned the Pharisees for is he said, search the scriptures for in them. You think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. He said, ye do error. Not knowing the scriptures. And I find it very hard to believe. See, these people will tell you, oh, you got to have this. You know, you need to have a, a Webster's dictionary. You need to have it. It makes it easier. It does. But listen to me, folks, you're trying to tell me that everybody before 1828 was dumb when it came to the scriptures? That before the first dictionary ever came out, all those people were, were ignorant of the Bible? Didn't know what it said? Well, here, here we go. Uh, look at this. But whoa, that look at that big word right there. Propitiation. What does that mean? I don't know. We'll just go on to the next one then, to the one we do know. No, those people knew what those terms meant. And they didn't have dictionaries and they didn't have lexicons and they didn't have encyclopedias and they didn't have all the tools that we have 
But the problem is that all these tools make us lazy in our work. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word. Study it, it's, he said. Study it. So when you're looking at these things and you're trying to define biblical terms, you can't go to lexicons and dictionaries and merely take what they say at face value. Because if you do, you're going to end up in error. And the Bible can define itself. That's the thing that most people don't understand. Matter of fact, I know a man who went to prison. And when he went to prison, I think he was in prison for 14 or 15 years or something like that. You know, when that man went to prison, he could not read and write. And lo and behold, he gets up into prison and he gets saved. Born again. And somebody gave him a Bible. And do you know that man learned to read and write? And the only thing that he had was a King James Bible. Now tell me how he did that. And tell me how that when they tested him, after he came out, he tested reading at a college level. How is that? Because the Bible will define its own terms. It defines its own terms. And the thing is, is that people, we, like I say, we, we've just gotten so lazy that we don't take the Bible at face value anymore. And we don't let it define what it's saying. We go somewhere else. In 2 Timothy 2.15, that's a great verse because it tells you to rightly divide the, the word. So, uh, a lot of people will tell you that, oh, see, Peter was pe preaching repentance there, but Peter was, was preaching to the nation of Israel. Folks, I'm sorry to tell you, but over there in, uh, I believe it's Acts chapter 20, Paul is preaching repentance. He says, testifying both to the Jew and the Greek. What? Repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're supposed to listen to Paul, and we're supposed to listen to Paul, because Paul said, I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my office. And Paul wrote, the things that I write are the commandments of God. So people who are not following the Apostle Paul, in this dispensation, are disobeying God. And Paul preached repentance. Now how about that for all y'all Paulicans out there? Now, I know we're supposed to be following Apostle Paul, but there are some people that just take things way too far. Paul also said that uh, if a man, uh, how does he put that? If a man uh, consent not to wholesome words, even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is ignorant, knowing nothing. 
So the same people who want to take repentance and throw that back into the Old Testament do the same thing with everything that Jesus Christ said. And Paul tells you right there, no, don't do that. Now, there are things that are not for us and they clearly contradict Pauline doctrine. That is clear. Like, go not, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. If you're doing that right now, you got problems. That is not what he's, what, what we're supposed to be doing now. He says, go to all nations. Testifying both to the Jew and the Greek. So there are people, like I say, who they get off on, on, you know, they go down these rabbit holes, man. And it's like they don't never come up. And you've got to be able to understand that, yes, it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine. That's the first thing it says, all scripture. What scripture is it talking about? All of it. That's what that word all means, excluding none. Now, it doesn't mean all that doctrine is written to you. Because as I pointed out to a buddy of mine, you can go to Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 6, where it says this will be our righteousness. This will be our righteousness. This is the nation of Israel. This is recorded by the Holy Spirit of God that we observe to do all that is written in the law of Moses. Are you supposed to be doing that today? Now, I know there's some people out there who will say that. And Paul wrote a whole book called Galatians to re refute that. So no, you have to rightly divide it, but you can't divide just because, well, the Lord, he came preaching kingdom doctrine, so... You know what I mean? We can't take anything that he says. No, if it doesn't conflict with Pauline doctrine. Just like I, I can't remember who I was talking to, but uh, the guy was talking about, I just quoted something out of 1 John. Uh, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. 1 John 5, 13, I believe it is. But he says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And he said, oh, that's written to the Jew. That's not in a Pauline, that's not Pauline epistle. And I went, hey, brother, I might not be, you know, I ain't, I ain't going to say I'm the sharpest tool in the shed. But I could, I could swear that that verse right there says, these things that I have I written unto you that what? Believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. John is declaring to you in that epistle that he is writing it to the believer. But the guy, well, it's not an appalling no. If it conflicts with Pauline doctrine, don't follow it. But John is clearly telling you that he wrote the book of 1 John to the believer. 
So you can't say everything that doesn't fall inside 13 books, because that's what most people are going to say. They're going to say, oh, you know, he didn't write Hebrews either. And I believe he did. I believe there's a lot of external evidence and internal evidence inside uh, the book of Hebrews that it's pretty much clear that Paul is the one who would have written that. And what they'll say is, see, and th this, this is how ignorant it gets. Well, it just don't line up with Pauline doctrine. There's a lot of things inside the book of Hebrews. I mean, you can lose your salvation in that. Listen to me, folks. You know, like, it's like, I can't remember who said it now, but um, there's, a, there's a guy uh, who, um, he, I, was, I was watching some videos of his on manuscript evidence. And this guy said that he took, that the apostles wrote them and then God signed off on them. And I went, hey, wait, no, wait, wait a minute. No. What are you talking about? The Bible says holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Who is the author of the book? The Holy Spirit is. Some people say, well, you know, that's why the, that's why the gospel, this is how, think about how dumb this is. That's why the gospel of John, it lines up with Pauline doctrine because you know why? It was the last gospel written and you know, he had all the Pauline doctrines at the uh, uh, epistles at that time. Think about how stupid that sounds. I mean, it, it's almost beyond even responding to. I don't care if none of the Pauline epistles, the book of John would have been written the same way. Because John is not the author of it. The Holy Spirit is, and it's the Holy Spirit that told him what to put in that book. And see, and that's what I'm talking about, about how far out people can get. I mean, deeming themselves to be wise, they become fools, and they do it like right before your eyes. And that's the exact same thing. The, 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 the doctrine of repentance has been so maligned in this modern day that we live in that, like I said, there are people out there who will tell you it is not even needed. And what's funny is now I've known this for a while, but it didn't hit me until today. And, uh, is, do you know how many times repentance is mentioned in the 13 Pauline epistles? Take a guess. I don't know if you know or not. I had to look it up to verify it before I came in, before I came in here tonight. I didn't know I was going to be doing this, but you know how many times? Nine. Only nine times. Now, if you, if you look up repentance in the entire Bible or repentance in, 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 the, in the Gospels, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke, because it's not mentioned in the book of John, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, a lot more than nine. But why nine? In all of his epistles, why is the word repentance or any version of it 
repent, repentance, any variation of that word nine times. Isn't nine the number of fruitfulness? How about that? How do we know that? Oh, there just so happens to be how many fruit of the Spirit? Nine. What chapter was it that God told Noah? Nine. Be fruitful and multiply. Right? So nine. The number nine is the new number of, of fruitfulness. So you want to bear fruit in your ministry? You better start preaching repentance. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, uh, temperance. That's nine. Against such, there is no law. There are nine fruits of the Spirit. Oh, well, Brother Mike, that's just a coincidence, brother. You know what I mean? No, there ain't nothing in the, in the Word of God that's a coincidence. God put that in there nine times because repentance is required to be preached in order for us to bear fruit. And the problem is, is that people are no longer preaching repentance. And the people who do preach repentance are preaching a works form of salvation, telling folks that they got to turn from sins and everything else, that that's what repentance is. And it's not if you just look it up in the Bible and let the Bible define itself. It is not. Repentance is not turning from sins. And like I say, if you look up that word repentance in the Bible. So let me go back. I'm going to digress a second because I want to go back um, to my little booklet here. Um, There's there, there some things that I... Um, uh, what I wanted to do is, it says in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 2, we find that the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Uh, you know, that is exactly what's happening, folks. That's exactly what's happening. And it's the reason why biblical doctrines are being so maligned in the last days. Dispensationalism, uh, you know, I had a talk with a buddy. You know, you, you talk with people, uh, the average person here, uh, or not here on this podcast, but I'm talking about the average Christian has more Protestant beliefs than they, than they realize they do. Even the vast majority, I would say, of fundamental Baptists. I was teasing a buddy of mine, uh, you know, the, telling him that the church that I used to go to, uh, it was, um, it was, it's an, you know, it's a Baptist church. I don't want to give the name of it, but, and, you know, say, just say Maranatha Baptist, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't no Maranatha Baptist or it's not no Maranatha Baptist. Not, it might be a name. 
But I'm constantly telling them, no, that's Maranatha Methodist. Because they're Methodist in their doctrine. They're not Baptist in their doctrine. And there's a reason why the, do uh, the Baptists have been persecuted by Protestants and Catholics and everybody else, it seems like, along the way. Since, you know, shortly thereafter, like I said, you know, after the times of the apostles. You know, like I say, some believe we can trace it all the way back. Like I said, I hadn't really seen no definitive proof of that. That's why I don't say that. But, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, the, the, the truth is, historically, the Baptists have been persecuted. We have been put to death. We've been drowned. I mean, we've been burned at the stake. We All sorts of vile things for preaching the things that we preach. And it's no wonder in the last days, things are, are ramping up. The people who preach dispensational theology are in the minority. We're not in the majority. We're in the minority. And like I said, even the church that I was pretty much raised up in, uh, you know, um, it's funny because all of them are dispensation, dispensational when it comes to the two covenants. But it's more covenant theology than it is anything else. Believing in an old covenant and now the new covenant. The only difference is, like I say, they preach a, a pre-trib uh, rapture. Um, but other than that, that's what the average independent Baptist church is teaching. They're teaching two covenants. Now, they won't come out and say that, but that's just go in there and sit down and listen to a couple of sermons, and you're going to pick out real quick. That's exactly what they're teaching. And you start talking about, oh, there's four, there's four different gospels preached in the, in the Bible. You're a heretic at that point. There ain't nothing else you're going to say, up, you know, uh, in there. I mean, they, they literally stopped their ears and would literally gnash, just about gnash their teeth on you for espousing that. But it's clear that's exactly what's happening. The difference between uh, repentance under the age of grace and repentance that Jesus and the apostles were preaching to the nation of Israel is that it was a national repentance in, in Israel as a nation. And it's yet, right now, there is neither Jew nor, nor Greek. That's what Paul said at the close of Acts. There's neither Jew testifying both to the Jew. They're all one in the body of Christ. And, but that's what, that's what happened. You go, like I say, you go to, I mean, the, and thank God for the remnant. I mean, but we're a remnant. I mean, we're, we're not, you know, these people, uh, preaching all this, uh, heresy out there, 
work salvation, you know, yeah, I know, I know salvation's by grace through faith. This is, I mean, this is normally how they do it. Yeah, salvation's by grace through faith and all that. But then, you know, but once, once you get saved, I mean, you know, okay, then, well, I mean, you know, you know, oh, but you know, there, uh, I went, like, like I said before, you know, I went over so-and-so's house and he, he was wearing such and such, man. Oh, I don't think homeboy got saved. No. I mean, where does it end? I mean, can we get the list of sins that can't be committed and someone still be saved? See, that's when, when, when you, when you push them, they can't, they can't come out with a clear list. And if they do, if they will come out with a list, it's going to be all the sins they're not committing. Because it's clear. The Bible tells us if we say we have no sin, we lie. We are liars and do not the truth. So don't go around telling me, oh, well, so-and-so, yeah, you know, uh, you know, that brother had a, you know, profession of faith, you know, and then I saw him at home and he was drinking a bit, man. You know, I came to his house, knocking on the door. He had a beer in his hand. Like I say, I mean, what, what sins are they then that you can't commit and still be saved? That's exactly what Paul was saying in the, in, in the book of Galatians. If you go and read it. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? He talks about beginning in faith. Then now you made perfect by works? No. All these type of heresies that are getting brought in, that's Protestant heresies. And I, and I, if anybody out there that's watching this and you're Protestant, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picking on y'all. But the truth is, Protestants came out of the Catholic Church. And there are some things you brought with you that are not, Biblical doctrines. And all of us get taught. I sat in a church where I got taught a lot of that stuff. You know, I know another brother, the same thing happened to. I sat in that church and didn't get saved. I, I got saved at the age of 35 after I left that church. And I know another brother, like I said, who had to, he had to wind up in jail before God could save him. Or he thought he got saved, didn't realize he'd been saved for a long time. And why? I wasn't living it. See? I wasn't living it. You know what I mean? Well, how was I doing all them bad things, you know? I mean, that's the, when you get right down to it. The Bible is clear that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So getting back to this repentance thing, you know. What is the difference? And why is it a requirement? Now, um, some of you may be familiar with... Uh, um, um, Calvinistic doctrine, tulip theology, right? So, 
total depravity, right? I believe that. I, be, I believe man is totally deprived, right? I believe that men are deprived. We're, total, we're totally deprived. There's nothing that a man, that's why the Bible says, look, there's none that doeth good. There is none that seeketh after God. See, that's where that Pharisee in, in you uh, jump up. See what because what you'll what you'll end up thinking, this is how this if you listen to the devil, you're gonna you gonna you you're gonna end up down some roads you ain't supposed to be going down. But you listen to the devil. See, this is how the devil start doing to you. The devil start doing to you. See, see, Mike. You see, all of these things that happen to you, you know what I mean? Uh uh look at you now. Look at the way you're living. I mean, you're doing good. You're living good. I mean, you don't hardly sin at all, Mike. I mean, you're living a good moral life. I'm so proud of you, Mike. And then, you know what? You're going to start listening to him. And you're going to be like, yeah, that's right. You know what? I am living pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you know, I ain't down at the bar every weekend. I ain't running around. I'm not fornicating all the time with... You know what I mean? I'm not doing things like that. I'm not running around sleeping with different people and all this kind of stuff and having sex outside, all that. No, I'm not doing any of that, you know? Matter of fact, you know what I do? I go to church three times a week. And see, the devil's going to start whispering that in your ear. And that's why Paul says not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Remember where you came from. Remember where it was that God saved you and, and what he saved you from. Where you were at. Because if you, if you start looking around and you get around people who are looking at the outward things, then you're going to start thinking to yourself, you know what? He's right. And I have arrived. You know what I mean? Matter of fact, I don't understand why these people live the way they live. I don't understand why they do the things they do. And see, then the next thing you know, you know what you're going to do? They deserve it. And it's the exact same thing that Jesus condemned the Pharisees for. He said, think ye that these were sinners above all upon whom the tower shall on fell? No. And what did he say? Except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. And what was he saying? See, the clue is, is that he said, he uses the word think. He said, think ye. That's the first clue. Think ye that these were sinners above all, upon whom the tower of Shalom fell. That's what he said to him. And he says, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. What was he saying? They had to turn from all their sins? He was talking to the Pharisees. He was talking to people who, by all outward appearances, I mean, you know what I mean? G Gamaliel, he was a doctor of the law. I mean, by all outward appearances, these guys 
would put us all to shame. And seeing there, that's a clue right there about what the definition of repentance is. God is defining it within the text. So, I just wanted to read you these two quotes because these are very good, good right here. And speaking about the Bible's built-in dictionary, but one, it says, uh, Gail Ripplinger says, my examination of over a thousand most difficult words in the KJV reveals that God defines all of them in the text. That's the language of the King James Bible by Gail Ripplinger. And then I was reading in A.T. Pearson, Knowing the Scriptures. And this is what he says. One very conspicuous feature of the Word of God is its self-interpreting power. In the mastery of human books, help is needful from large libraries and patient research in the realms of science and philosophy, grammars and glossaries, histories and biographies, copious lexicons and learned encyclopedias often become necessary to furnish the mere sidelights to interpret the terms and illumine the sense of human literature. But in the study of this divine book, confessedly the crown of all literature, other writings, though often helpful, are never indispensable. To a remarkable degree, God's word explains and interprets its own contents, is its own grammar and lexicon, library and encyclopedia. How about that? And then Dr. Ruckman in his commentary on Matthew, this is what he says. The Bible believer should be careful not to be drawn into the rigid logic type compartments of critical scholarship, which force or superimpose their definitions on Bible words. The Bible is its own authority and dictionary and will define for you what it means. The Bible can define itself. All you have to do, look, there's something called the law of first mention. And if you go back and find the first time that the word repentance is used or any of the variations of it, it's used in accordance with God. And all these people who will tell you repentance means to turn from sin. Listen to me. God cannot sin. And therefore, if God can repent, then repentance has nothing to do with sinning. That's a good point. I mean, if we, you want to talk about turning from sins, listen to me, folks. There are people in convents and monasteries uh, all over this world. Mother Teresa. I'm talking about a lady, if you just looked at her life, she spent her entire life helping others. And so if you want to look at someone, their outward appearance, 
the things that you can see, then you would have to say, well, if anybody went to heaven, she went to heaven. But that is not true based on her own testimony. Her own testimony, her own words. She says, my faith is in the Catholic Church. And if her faith was in the Catholic Church, Mother Teresa is in hell right now. You can join every church from here to Jerusalem and die and go to hell. Or join none and be saved. You can sit in church your whole life, never commit any gross sin, be married to one woman, be faithful in paying your bills and not be uh, crooked in your dealings with other people and die and go to hell. And I brought this up one time about Herod. Look at look at that story about Herod in the Bible where he talks about the, when the wise men came to him. And it talked about in the scriptures. So he believed from the scriptures that the Son of God was going to be born. He believed it so much that he had every two-year-old. He believed the scriptures. Think about what I'm saying. He had to believe that was God's word. The true God. The living God. He had to believe that. To kill all the two-year-old children from two-year-old and under. Are you telling me that man didn't believe the word of God? He believed it and died and went to hell. And why is that? I mean, there are people that you're going to meet who are going to hold a King James Bible and they're going to have the right haircut and they're going to wear the right clothes and they're going to say the right things. And when you, when you ask them or question them about the blood atonement, they can tell you all about it. And they're going to die and go to hell. And the reason is, is they're trusting in something else. There is a simplicity to the gospel. And the Bible says, listen to this. Satan, the devil, has blinded the minds of them that believe not. It's at the point of belief that the satanic deception comes in. They're blinded at belief. The human nature, this corrupt body that we live in, is so deprived that's why it says none seek after God. That's why if you're, if you're saved by the grace of God, 
You know what I mean? If, you're, if you know you are and you're going to heaven, you have no right to sit in judgment of anyone else because there was nothing you did to merit it. God didn't choose you because you were better than someone else. That's why it talks about the light of the glorious gospel. For some reason, that light bulb went off in your brain. And that's exactly what happened to me the night that I got saved. Satan kept coming to me even that night. And he kept saying, Mike, remember those tears you cried? Remember that prayer you prayed? He was, he was pointing to everything that I could do. But I knew in my heart I had no peace. I knew I wasn't saved. And I even remember that night, I'm talking tears and, you know what I mean? Everything. And I'm telling God, I don't know. I'm so confused. The satanic deception was at the point of belief. He, he was not allowing me to believe it. And that's exactly why Jesus told those Pharisees, think ye, the light bulb hadn't gone off. It has nothing to do with turning from sins because if God himself can repent, Jesus said, which of you convinces me of sin? Pilate says, what? Washes his hands. I find no fault in him. The thief on the cross, this man has done nothing amiss. The Bible tells us he was tempted in all points, such as we are, yet with what? Without sin. What the first Adam couldn't do, the second Adam did. And so if you go back, what did God do when he was talking about the nation of Israel? He said, peradventure, what? That was, that was in, uh, in Exodus with the nation of Israel. Peradventure, what? They repent and turn. Notice the conjunction, and turn. The turning wasn't the repentance. It was a product of it. It was a change of mind. He said, peradventure, they would see what? The armies of the people of the land. And they'll what? Repent and turn back and go back to Egypt. The same thing with God. It repented the Lord that what? He made man. 
He changed his mind. And thank God, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so when people try to tell you, oh, no, this is what this word means, no, it's because they ain't read the Bible. These people don't know the word of God. And they're going around telling people what, yeah, and that's exactly what I thought for 35 years. Well, I've tried to turn from everything, and I can't, I don't know of anything else to turn from, Lord. I mean, seriously, I mean, a lot of you don't know my, my, my past life, but I was a young teenage long haired punk. You know, and then I, I, uh, get my hair cut and I go into the military and I become a respectful person. And I wasn't running the streets and doing the things that I used to do. And still it took nearly nearly 12 years almost. I'd say about 11 years in the military for me to come to the point to where I put down everything that, that I was taught. God said, look, Mike, if you don't put it down, you're going to go to hell. Let it go. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the door. It's one person wide and you can't bring anything with you. You're going to get stuck at the door with the suitcases. They're not going through. And that's what I kept trying to do. And that's what Satan wants you to believe. There's something you can do. No, you just ain't done enough. You haven't cleaned up enough. And brother, it ain't right. It's heresy. It's straight out the pit of hell. And then you got people on the flip side of that who say, we'll see, because repentance is turning from sin. Oh, that can't be it. In the dispensation of the grace of God. And they're wrong too. Paul tells you he preached repentance. And, it, and shall I remind you what the scripture said? He says, the things that I say are the commandments of God. And Paul preached repentance.
I like this quote here. H.A. Uh, Ironside says this, and it's it's really good. And there, there's a couple of quotes in here. And like I say, hopefully one day God's going to allow me to finish this book. But he says this. He says, fully convinced in my own mind that the doctrine of repentance is the missing note in many otherwise orthodox and fundamental, fundamentally sound circles today. I have penned uh, right here. This is This is out of his book, Except Ye Repent. I have penned this volume out of a full heart. I hope and pray that God will be pleased to use it to awaken many of his servants to the importance of seeking to present his truth as to bring men to the only place where he can meet them in blessing. That place is the recognition, listen to this, of their own demerit and absolute unworthiness of his least mercies and a new conception of his saving power for all who come to Christ as lost sinners resting alone upon his redemptive work for salvation and depending upon the indwelling Holy Spirit to make them victorious over sin's power in daily life. And that's the only way you're going to get the victory over any sin. Now, I've been talking to this one lady and I'm hoping she sees the light. But that's exactly what she believes. Not what he says. She's turned from all these sins. See, I don't do all those things anymore. I know I'm saved. And people that do all those things, they're not saved. You know, one of the... One of the um, uh, examples I gave that lady, I said, what do you do with someone that gets saved out of Harlem? What do you do with someone like that? I mean, they, they get, you know, I, I know a guy now. <laughs> I ain't even going to name him, but I know, I know a guy and this is his own testimony. You might've heard it because he's, he's a, he's a pretty good evangelist, but he um he said this one time and 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 this blew my mind you know and at the first at the first I'm I'm gonna be honest with you see the first time I heard that you know what the Pharisee in me rose up nah you ain't get saved that's exactly what I said in my heart I know I did and I did I said that nah you ain't get saved and it happened later you know what I'm saying I mean like here I am doubting I'm I'm doubting this guy you know what I mean like I can see his heart right. You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing, man. That's what makes it so crazy is, is people think that they can see somebody else's heart. But God look, doesn't look on the outward appearance. That's, a, that's exactly what he did when he picked David. See, they were all looking at, oh, man, got to be this guy. I mean, you know, look at him. I mean, you know, he's 6'5 and, you know, uh, broad-shouldered and, you know, 240 pounds. He looked like a defensive uh, end, you know. I mean, it. Certainly, this is the man, God. You know what I mean? He said, no, there's got to be one more around here. you got to have another kid. Because God's saying, these ain't none of them. He, well, I do. i got this scrawny little kid out there keeping the uh, sheep. Fetching. Bring him on in. Why? Because God wasn't looking on the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. He's looking what's on the inside. See, God sees through all that. That's why, that's why Paul said, I, I use this street preaching a lot. Paul said, God is going to judge the secrets of men according to my gospel. And you know what that means? That means he's not judging on what's on the outside. 
See, he's not he's not judging the front that you put on in front of your friends. He's not going to judge uh, the profile that you got on Facebook. And I mean, come on now. I mean, I'm I'm here to tell you. If he's some folks on there, I mean, you're like, you know, you don't look like that no more. That jungle band, that picture was taken, man, about 25 years ago. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, no, nah, you know? I mean, you don't even look like that no more. But, I mean, being serious, folks, God is going to judge the secrets. He's going to judge the things you that nobody else knows but you and God. He's going to judge the secret things. All the thoughts that you had that you shouldn't have had. All the hate that you had for, for brethren that you shouldn't have had. All the lustful thoughts that you had that you shouldn't have been having. Yeah, see? People can't see those things. They can't see them, but God can see them. And he's not going to judge what, what people can see. And he's not going to judge the front that you put on for everybody else. He's going to judge the secret things. According to my gospel, Paul said, in this dispensation, God is going to judge the secrets of men according to Paul's gospel. And Paul declares it in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's saving faith. And when the light bulb goes off in somebody's head, that's why he told those Pharisees, think ye, think, that these are more, these are sinners above all, in whom the tower shall on fell. He said, No. They didn't see themselves that way. They thought those people deserved what was happening to them. Oh, they must have been wicked for all that stuff to go down. And I went 35 years on this earth, man. And I'm so thankful. Man, I'm so thankful. That God kept, kept, kept on and kept on after I told him to leave me alone. Thank God I had folks praying for me. And thank God that he didn't listen to that. Because what happened to me that night in my room, when I was in Korea, all alone and on that floor and I told God I was confused because Satan kept coming to me telling me you hadn't look you've done enough and then if, when I got to thinking no I've done enough and all no, you got to do more that's just the problem you just ain't living right Mike I mean he's the master of deception and it was at the point of belief every time 
that it came down to the point to where I was like, look, the Bible says believe. If I just believe that, no, Mike, you, you, you've done been there. You don't, you don't walk that road already. But I hadn't walked that road, and I knew I hadn't walked that road. But that's what the devil kept doing. And that's what he's doing to all these people out here. I mean, the average person sitting up in a church today, that's exactly their problem. That's the reason why they no longer get moved at the preaching. They don't get moved by any of those things because they don't know the joy of salvation. They don't really know that. They know all about God. They know all about it because they've been sitting in church all their lives. And they can quote you Bible scripture. And they're in the ministry. And they're trusting in something else other than the gospel because the light bulb hadn't gone off. They still abide in darkness. And that's the thing with it. Right there. I mean, that's where the rubber really meets the road on this thing. Is that you got people who are not saved themselves or who have been taught the wrong thing. And instead of checking these things out, they keep just regurgitating the things that they've been told. They don't go into the scriptures and look. Right here, I got another quote right here. It says, though repentance, this is by William S. Plummer. What is repentance? Listen to what he says. He says, though repentance is an obvious and oft-commanded duty, yet it cannot truly be acceptably be, uh, it cannot truly and acceptably be truly and acceptably performed except by the grace of God. It is a gift from heaven. Paul directs Timothy in meekness to instruct those that oppose himself if God peradventure will what? Give them repentance under the acknowledging of the truth. They can't acknowledge that the gospel is what saves them because the satanic blindness is at the point of belief. It's not at the point of works. It's at the point of belief. He has blinded the minds of them that believe not. See, it says Christ is exalted a prince and a savior to give repentance. 
And it says, so then, so when the heathen were brought in, the church glorified God saying, then hath God also what? To the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something you do. It's something the Holy Spirit does in you. And until the light of the glorious gospel shines through, breaks through the veil that's over your eyes and over your heart, you remain in darkness. Stumbling around, you know, just grabbing it at anything you can grab at, like I was. And God said, listen to me, Mike, if you don't put it down, you're going to go to hell. If you don't put all that stuff down, you're going to hell. You got to let it all go. And you got people, I mean, Dr. Ruckman talked about this, you know, and well, even Brother Donovan talked about it, about him hearing preachers come in and they'll talk people out of their uh, salvation so they can, you know, go boast about the numbers. You know? And I, th I think there's some of that. But I also think that these people are not saved themselves. That's what they believe. But I'm here to tell you, you'll never do enough. You'll never do enough. The, the, the priest in the monastery, the monk in the temple... They'll never do enough. They got no peace in their heart. And why don't they have that peace? They die and go to hell thinking they're coming back. I mean, you want to talk about some mess to believe in? Well, I wasn't so good this time around, so I came back as a rock. I mean, and people say we're crazy. I mean, I can't even, you, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, but that just goes to show you how deprived people are. They're so deprived that they grasp all these different things. Well, yeah, you know what I mean? The problem is you didn't, you hadn't reached, you know, you hadn't, you hadn't, uh, you just hadn't done enough yet. You know, you meditate more and you pray more and you do this more and you do that more. It's always something you can do. I posted that on on uh on Facebook, that meme on Facebook. That's the difference between a true religion and the false religion. Something in my hand I bring. That's false religion every time. True religion says nothing in my hand I bring. Cuz God won't accept it. Your righteousnesses are filthy rags. It doesn't matter what you think you can do. 
It's not good enough in God's sight. God's law requires perfect obedience. And that's why he said, you know, I always wondered at that. How could it be that it says, if you keep the whole law yet offend in one point, you're guilty of all of it? I always wondered that. And one day God showed that to me. Repentance is a gift. It's given and it's granted. And talking about tulip theology, right? I got a quote in here from John Calvin. And it's a good one. It says, man's mind is like a store of idolatry and superstition. So much so that if a man believes his own mind, it is certain that he will forsake God and forge some idol in his own brain. Think about that. And that's why it takes the light of the glorious gospel to shine through. It has to be the gospel. There is no other way. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And you got all these folks walking around boasting. You know, I honestly believe some of them, some of them, I think, believe this. God is so honored to have me as a Christian. I'm such a good person. That's why he saved me. You know what I mean? If I'd have been one of those drunkards down over there on, you know, down on 6th Street or one of them harlots up under the bridge or whatever, one of them uh, bums, he wouldn't have saved me. No, it was because, you know, yeah, you know, I, you know, I'm such a good person. No. Because that's exactly the way a lot of them act. I mean, and that's that. I mean, there's a lot of men, I'm telling you. Let's see here. I'm going to I'm going to travel down here a little bit. But uh, you know, I mean the Bible clearly says, listen to this about Judas Iscariot. He repented himself. Think about that. If if repentance is given to you, and is granted to you, then it's, it's nothing you can do. And as soon as you tell someone, or someone tells someone, that repentance is turning from sin, you place them under the works of the law. 
You make a Judas Iscariot out of him. Because what you're saying is there's something you have to do to merit the favor of God. And there's nothing you can do to merit the favor of God. Grace is God-given. That which you do not deserve. And you've got people who are going around thinking that they've done something. See, it's all these sins I turn from. That's why God saved me. Until you get to hell, you're going to believe that. That's how strong the satanic deception is. It's so close to the real thing. They believe... The truths according to the blood atonement. Think about that. They're like Herod. They believed in the scriptures. They believed it was the word of God. And they believe it's the word of God. Like he believed it. And like I said, you know, it took 35 years for God to get through to me because of all the false doctrine I was taught as a kid. And like I said, I know another brother who was saved a lot longer. He just realized it. He went, wait a minute. No, I, I, I believed on the Lord. Yeah, there was a lot of bad things that happened to me. But it was because I was out of fellowship with God. It's not because I wasn't saved. It's because I was out of fellowship with Him. And there's a lot of people, folks. I mean, you better be thankful that God has bestowed grace upon you. That's why the, the Bible is clear. Look, he says, if you, if, you, if you see a brother in a fault, what does it say to do? Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Why? Considering thyself, lest ye also fall. Whether you ever get to the place as a Christian that you get prideful in your own self and in your own accomplishments. And brother, I'm here to tell you, I prayed those prayers. I mean, I prayed them almost verbatim. Out of the Gospels where, where, that, where that Pharisee, that publican, and he goes up there and he says, Lord, be merciful to me. Wouldn't even raise his head, you know, pounds on his chest. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I prayed the other prayer. Lord, I don't, you know what I mean? And I'd always, this is how I do it. I'd always started off by saying, Lord, 
I'm not being prideful, but I was. See, as soon as that came out of my mouth, I was being prideful. But thank you, Lord, that I'm not as other men are. I mean, I prayed that. And it's only by the grace of God that I'm not like other men are. But that's not what I was saying. I was just like that Pharisee. This one right here, this, this verse right here, John 1, 12 and 13. This is the one I gave to a buddy of mine when we were talking about this very subject. It says, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You can't pull a Judas Iscariot. That's a work. But repentance is required for salvation because it's an illumination that happens by the Holy Spirit of God. It's granted by God. It's given by God. Salvation from beginning to end is a work of God. And as soon as you apply your hands to it, you mess it up. And I was over there thinking about this the other day. And you know what God told me over there? You know, the altar, when they were, when they had to build the altar, the altar of sacrifice, but they sacrificed those animals. You know what God told them not to do? Put no tool on it. Don't make it out of hewn stone. Because as soon as you put your put man's hands on it, as soon as you applied your work to it, God said, I won't accept it. The altar is polluted and the sacrifices are also polluted. And that's exactly what people are doing to salvation. They're putting their hands to it. And God will not accept that. Your righteousness are as filthy rags. God will reject it every time, not of works. And that's Old Testament proof of a New Testament doctrine. It is soon, it says, not of hewn stone. It cannot be of the works of men's hands. I believe it says that verbatim. It can't be of the works of men's hands. And he says, if you do, the altar's polluted and everything you sacrifice on it's polluted. God won't have it. When Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, he said, it's finished.
And you can't add nothing to it. And neither can I. And as soon as you do, or as soon as you command someone that they have to do something to merit the favor of God, I don't care what it is, turn from sin or whatever it is, you're placing them under the works of the law. And by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. No flesh. I've got a lot more points on this thing that I, I, I'd love to go through. I just don't have the time to do it. Like I said, it, it started off being a, well, just being a, a, a sermon, really. Uh, the guy, I, I thought God was giving me, it's turned into, I've, I've, I've got 27 type pages so far, and it's not done yet. And um, I'm hoping, you know, by the grace of God, the Lord will help me uh, finish it. Um, you know, sometime this year. Um, I get so busy, though, a lot of times that I don't get the chance to do uh, a lot of the things that I want to do. But folks, Repentance is a requirement for salvation. And anybody that says otherwise is not reading their Bible. They don't know their Bible and they don't know what the definition of repentance is. It's not you turning from sins. Now that might be the cause of it. Or the product of it, sorry, not the cause, but the product. It might be the product of it, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you what sins they have to be. Because that's what happens too. As soon as you start to say, you know, well, like I said, oh, so-and-so, he, well, he, you know, I, I went over his house. He was wearing short pants, man. Brother was naked. I thought he said he got saved. I mean, come on, man. Really? The Joker had short pants on? Well, I went by, you know, I went by, old boy. I, you know, he, he threw a cigarette down. I thought he was saved. Really? I mean, I'm just going to be honest with folks, man. That that type of thing, that judgmental attitude, we don't need that. The church doesn't need it. You know, one of the um, one of the things that I I showed that lady who talked about all that stuff, you know, and her condemning attitude towards other people who, you know, what I did was is I I took that. Uh, portion of scripture there where the woman who's caught in adultery and they bring her before the Lord right and all those men you know what I mean and the Lord writes with his finger and you know you know the whole story you know the whole thing but the part that the one who had the right to judge the one who had the right to condemn her right there said, woman, where are thine accusers? 
And then he says what? Neither do I condemn thee. You know what? Remember, you remember when uh, uh, Peter got the, the vision from heaven three times, what came down? And what was the message God was getting across to him? What God's called clean, what? Call not thou common. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift. When that light bulb goes off, that is a Holy Ghost illumination. That's repentance. And when a person receives the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are birthed into the family of God. And what God has called clean, call not them common. You don't know what those people are going through. You don't know the trials that they're under. You don't know their lives. I mean, you know, we we think of, you know, we think that people gotta get saved and become the apostle Paul overnight. And then you got like I said, because of all this kind of thing going on, you got other people who are talking about, well, repentance is not even required. Well, how about this? Just look the word up in the book. And stop taking the word of other preachers and dictionaries and lexicons and everything else other than what the word of God says. And that's a, that's a huge problem in the church. In, in this day and age, when we've got more ways of getting information and we've got more books and more computer programs and everything else that you could possibly, videos, I mean, you could just, they're endless. And people just do not look the, look the stuff up for themselves. They don't let the book define its own terms. And because they don't, and I'm not saying some of these people aren't saved, but they go around preaching heresy. And as a buddy of mine pointed out, and as the Apostle Paul says, what? If you preach any other gospel, let them be accursed. God's pronouncing a curse on you. And, and probably the only reason why God ain't taking you home yet is because if you are doing it, like Paul, he said, God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance. And that's exactly what happens. So don't take these people. Do some research. Do some study. Get in the Word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Comparing what? Spiritual things with spiritual things. The Bible says, and this this will help you. But Jesus said, at the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Don't take a verse by itself and try to define a Bible term. Don't do that. At the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. 
That means find at minimum two or three other places where that word is mentioned in the, in the Bible and find out what the Bible says about that word. And most importantly, go back to the first time it's ever used. And you'll find out real quick that the Bible is its own dictionary. It defines its own terms. And you'll be a lot smarter and a lot better off. And you'll be far more fruitful in your ministry. And there are a lot of people out there. Like, I'm going to end right here with this, this little story right here. But this guy, he was a missionary to Cambodia and Laos. Yeah, Cambodia and Laos, man. And uh, I was interested in talking to this guy because I, at the time I was studying about, um, you know, Buddhism. I was studying about Buddhism and Hinduism because this place that I was going to had a gigantic, or I had went to, had a gigantic Buddhist temple and a Hindu temple. And so, you know, obviously a lot of the people around there were influenced by that. And so, you know, um, be ready always to give an answer to every man. So, you know, I needed to know something about what they believed so that I could kind of combat that, you know. And uh, anyways, I, I was talking to this fella and this fella, you know, started talking about, you know, one of the hardest things is that, you know, in order to get a Buddhist or a, or a Hindu um, converted is, is that they live relatively moral lives. And so they're, you know, like the average Catholic, I'm a good person. They believe they're good people. And so what people want to do is when they're out preaching the gospel, they want to go right to the book of John and just bang here, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know, he that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son hath not life for the wrath of God. I mean, he, what does it say? He that hath the son. You see what I'm saying? And then you try to go into this little formula about convincing them instead of the, letting the Holy Spirit use the word of God. And the Bible says that the, the law is what? Our schoolmaster. It's pointing us to Christ. That's what the intent of the law was. To show you, you don't stack up. And Paul declares that. He says that about his own self. He said, when the law revived, he said, and I die, and by it, it slew me. And I told that fellow, I said, you know, he, he was complaining. He said, man, it's so hard to reach these people. He goes, we don't see very many people saved. And I said, that's because you're just preaching the gospel. And I and listen to me, the gospel in its essence is 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. That's it. But a man will never reach for the lifeline if he doesn't realize he needs it. And that is the biggest part of preaching the gospel that is missing in today's uh, ministry. Is that people are not using the law for what God intended. It's a schoolmaster. It's leading us to Christ. And that's what I told him. I told him, I said, you don't need to go back and just preach, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, you need to go back and preach the law. 
because these people think they're good people. Their consciences are seared. And that's what Paul said. Paul said, I had not known lust, except the law saith, thou shalt not covet. He didn't know it. Until the law showed him what he was and who he was in the sight of a holy and a righteous God. You know, and I love this. What does Paul say? And a light shone down from heaven. How about that? The light of the glorious gospel or something like that, right? Yeah. Because Paul finally saw himself for who he was. So if you're going to go out and you're going to preach the gospel, you got to preach the parts that people don't want to hear. I mean, I know we want to go out and tell people, for God so loved the world, and he does. And he did. And he gave his son to die for him. That's the truth. But their consciences are seared. And it needs to be woken up. The fertile ground, it needs to be plowed before the seed can be planted. And that's what I told that guy. I said, you want to see some, you want to see some fruit in your ministry, go back preaching the law. And our old time preachers, the old time preachers, they knew that. I think it was said of J. Frank Norris or whatever. He preached a, 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 a week of meetings, I think it was, or maybe two weeks of meetings. I can't remember. Back then, they used to have long revivals, you know. So, But I think they said that he preached, he preached condemnation, preached on hell, like every night. And then on the last night, he gave the gospel. And 150 people made a profession of faith, came forward. 150. And why? Is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? He used the law. He showed these people what they are and who they are and that they were headed to a devil's hell because they deserved it. And when a man gets to that place, that's what happened to me that night. See, I, I believed there was a hell. I didn't want to go there. But you know what one of the main things was? I didn't believe I deserved it. And that, when you look at the thief on the cross, the two thieves on the cross, one of them says this. This man has done nothing amiss. And what we're getting, we're getting because we deserve it. And then he says to the Lord, what? Remember me when thou enter. What was he saying? He knew, he knew Jesus Christ was coming out of the grave. That's one of the perfect pictures of the gospel right there. And Repentance. He realized, he said, but we indeed justly, we're getting what we deserve. This man has done nothing amiss. And then he looks to the Lord and he says, Lord, 
Remember me when thou enterest in thy kingdom. Remember me. So you go out and you preach the gospel, but you preach the law. Because the law is the schoolmaster. That is what is pointing to Christ. And when you separate the two, you're doing a great injustice to the gospel of the grace of God. Because a man will not reach for the, he won't reach for it. He won't reach for the lifeline. You know, you know what they say about a guy who's drowning? I don't know if you ever, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time around the water. So I, I've had, you know, I, I learned to swim at a young age. And you know what they tell you about a drowning person? You don't never go and try to rescue them while they're struggling. You wait. Because if you go to them while they're struggling, they're going to take you down with them. You wait. And when they're done, when they're done flailing, then you approach them and take them. And that's exactly what God does with the gospel. As long as you're flailing, it won't do you any good. You've got to realize there's a need and you've got to let go. You've got to. As long as you're holding on to anything that you can do, you won't get saved. I mean, I met a lady that was in a um, nursing home. I was visiting down there when I was at Dr. Ruckman's. Man, that lady was just all on boo and tears. I got, I got the opportunity to preach that night. She, you know, she, I don't know if I'm saved. You know, and of course you give her all the scripture, you give it to her, but none of that was doing any good to her. You know, and I told her, I said, look, what you've got to do is, is you've got to get along with God. And he said, and I gave her first John five thirteen and told her, get read that book. He said, I've written it to people. He said, I've wrote that to those who believe on the name of the Son of God that they may know that they have, and she didn't know. And I think the reason why she didn't know is because she was holding on to something. She had no assurance. Or she'd been taught something wrong. Somebody kept telling her what? Oh, you got to turn. And you got to turn from all them sins. And that's why I gave her. I, you know, you give her all the scripture. Leave. Not by works, by grace. And that's where a person's got to get to. So go out and preach the word and use the law for what it's intended to bring people to the place where they realize they need the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you think about that, think about this. John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets. And what was he preaching? Repentance. And what does the Bible say? And grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace followed repentance. Amen.
anyways y'all i know um i'm hoping that maybe this next time my my buddy um sent me a message i see that here that he sent me a message and i did notice that earlier brother i didn't want to just stop but um i'm hoping that we can get together and uh get this next uh, uh podcast in like i said I, I you know um i know i was supposed to do um start that new series tonight but i didn't want to start it because um you know, I was supposed to have my buddy on here, but like I said, just technical issues. And I don't know what it is yet, um, but we're going to do a trial run sometime this week and get this thing settled out so that, um, you know, he can be on here. And so I'll be sending an email out uh, in the next couple of days, just letting everybody know kind of what's going on. And I do apologize again for last week. And, um, you know, but um, I do thank y'all. I really do uh, for joining in and for watching and, um uh, you know, really the the um, intent of this podcast is just to encourage people to go out there and serve the Lord and do something for him. Folks, the time is short. And uh, so we need to be busy about our father's business. So uh, I thank y'all again. I do pray for you. And like I say, if uh, you know, I, I have some people who message me, uh, send me emails and things like that. Um, if you have uh, something that you want um, me to pray about and others, I mean, I, I, I'm i not the only one that prays. I always share uh, this with other people. And so if uh, you have something, uh, you know, you have a need uh, and you would like for us to pray for you, um, just let me know. You can send me a message, private message me. You don't have to uh, put it on here, you know what I mean, or on a chat box or anything like that. I mean, you can send me an email or you can find me on Facebook. So, uh, again, thank y'all for joining in, and to God be the glory, y'all.